day and night and night and day the living creatures give their praise to him who lives eternally they never cease from saying holy holy is Yahweh Hello, welcome to Walking in the Word. My name is Shel Wagner. I'm so glad you came to join me today. Today is we're going to be reading our second installment for from the reading of the book of 2 Kings, chapters 5 through 8. And it's my prayer for you that you are able to hear Yah's message within the reading for your life and your heart. And may you be blessed by it. Alrighty, let me go ahead and add my screen and get set. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 5. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, Yahweh had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I Elohim that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of Elohim, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of Yahweh, his Elohim, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officer tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? 
So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Yardan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of Elohim had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of Elohim. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no Elohim in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as Yahweh lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other Elohim except Yahweh. However, may Yahweh pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Ramon to worship there and leans on my arm, May Yahweh pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of Elohim, said to himself, My master should not have let this Armenian get away without, without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as Yahweh lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman asked. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went into his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in Ruach, in spirit, when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was as white as snow. Chapter six. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Yardan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. 
please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the yard end, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of Elohim asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of Elohim, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of Elohim. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of Elohim got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Yahweh, open his eyes and let him see. Yahweh opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh, Yahweh, please make them blind. So Yahweh struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Yahweh, now open their eyes and let them see. So Yahweh op opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Sometime later, however, 
King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, please help me, my lord, the king. He answered, if Yahweh doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is the matter? She replied, this woman said to me, come on. Let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she's hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. May Elohim strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived and the king said, All this misery is from Yahweh. Why should I wait for Yahweh any longer? Chapter 7 Elisha replied, Listen to the message from Yahweh. This is what Yahweh says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of Elohim, Well, that couldn't happen even if Yahweh opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They ask each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For Yahweh had caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. 
the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Armenian camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. The king got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Armenians know we are starving, so they have left their camp and have hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city, and then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of his officers replied, we'd better send out scouts to check the, into this. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it will be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. So two chariots with horses were prepared, and the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Armenian army. They went all the way to the Yardan River, following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Armenians had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Armenian camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as Yahweh had promised. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So everything happened exactly as the man of Elohim had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of Elohim had said to the king, by this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. The king's officer had replied, that couldn't happen even if Yahweh opened the windows of heaven. And the man of Elohim had said, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was, for the people trampled him to death at the gate. Chapter 8. Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life. Take your family and move to some other place. For Yahweh has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of Elohim instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. 
After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of Elohim. The king had just said, tell me some more stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king Gehazi exclaimed, here's the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Elisha went to Damascus, the capital of Aram, where King Ben-Hadad lay sick. When someone told the king that the man of Elohim had come, the king said to Hazael, Take a gift to the man of Elohim. Then tell him to ask Yahweh, will I recover from this illness? So Hazael loaded down 40 camels with the finest products of Damascus as a gift for Elisha. He went to him and said, your servant Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, has sent me to ask, will I recover from this illness? And Elisha replied, go and tell him, you will surely recover but actually, Yahweh has shown me that he will surely die. Elisha stared at Hazael with a fixed gaze until Hazael became un uneasy. Then the man of Elohim started weeping. What's the matter, my lord? Hazael asked him. Elisha replied, I know the terrible things you will do to the people of Israel. You will burn their fortified cities, kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael responded, how could a nobody like me ever accomplish such great things? Elisha answered, Yahweh has shown me that you are going to be the king of Aram. When Hazael left Elisha and went back, the king asked him, what did Elisha tell you? And Hazael replied, he told me that you will surely recover. But the next day, Hazael took a blanket, soaked it in water, and held it over the king's face until he died. Then Hazael became the next king of Aram. Jehoram, son of King Jehoshaphat of Yehuda, began to rule over Yehuda in the fifth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. But Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel and was as wicked as King Ahab, for he had married one of Ahab's daughters. 
So Jehoram did what was evil in Yahweh's sight. But Yahweh did not want to destroy Yehuda, for he had promised his servant David that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. During Jehoram's reign, the Edomites revolted against Yehuda and crowned their own king. So Jehoram went with all his chariots to attack the town of Zaire. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he went out at night and attacked them under cover of darkness. But Jehoram's army deserted him and fled to their homes. So Edom has been independent from Yehuda to this day. The town of Libna also revolted about that same time. The rest of the events uh, in Jehoram's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Yehuda. When Jehoram died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Ahaziah became the next king. Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, began to rule over Yehuda in the twelfth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother was Athaliah, a granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. Ahaziah followed the evil example of King Ahab's family. He did what was evil in Yahweh's sight, just as Ahab's family had done, for he was related by marriage to the family of Ahab. Ahaziah joined Joram, son of Ahab, in his war against King Hazael of Aram at Ramoth-Gilead. When the Armenians wounded King Joram in the battle, he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds he had received at Ramoth because Joram was wounded. King Ahaziah of Yehuda went to Jezreel to visit him. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the, the reading of those four chapters and that you'll come back and join me next time when we pick up with chapter nine. All righty. Shalom. Day and night and night and day, the living creatures give their praise. To him who lives eternally, they never cease from saying. Worthy, worthy to receive all